Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Making Sense of It All. I'm your host, Jesse Stiggs. Today, we're talking about CRA. Well, Jesse, what's CRA and why should it mean anything to me? Well, in order to understand where we are, I believe that it's important to understand why and how we arrived here in the first place. CRA followed similar laws passed to reduce discrimination in the credit and housing markets, including the Fair Housing Act of 1968, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974, and the Home Mortgage Disclosure Act of 1975. The Fair Housing Act and Equal Credit Opportunity Act prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, sex, and other personal characteristics. The Home Mortgage Disclosure Act requires that financial institutions publicly disclose mortgage lending and application data. CRA, which actually stands for the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977, encourages certain insured depository institutions to help meet the credit needs of the community in which they are chartered, including low to moderate income neighborhoods. Well, my guest this week is Kristen Couch. She's the vice president in charge of the CRA program for United Community Bank, headquartered in Greenville, South Carolina. She's going to go way beyond just giving you a history lesson and defining a piece of legislation. She's going to talk to you about how it works in the real world. The fact that CRA officers exist in most, if not all, banks is proof of how serious banking is taking this and how they are engaged in the community since the passing of the legislation in 1977. Enjoy the conversation, and I hope you learn a little bit more about how our federal banking system tries to encourage all banks to bring services to all people. Let's jump into it. So let me start right there with my audience. Can you tell them what CRA means? Yeah, CRA stands for Community Reinvestment Act. Um, the bank is required to meet the needs of the communities in which we serve, including low to moderate income individuals. So we make sure we're lending, investing, and serving our communities in which we are in. Very cool. So for so layman's terms, I mean, that's that's a great definition. But so for the audience, what does that mean to them? Yeah, that just means that make, we are making sure that we're lending, uh, we're offering loans and providing loans to everyone. Everyone is included. We're not trying to discriminate or avoid certain areas or neighborhoods or individuals. We want to make sure lending is available for all. We are serving our communities, whether that's lenders sitting on board positions, people going to serve at their church, nursing homes. Um, in community organizations such as Habitat for Humanity, the United Way. So we're doing our service that way. We're also providing service products such as our banking, um, online banking, our ATMs, our branches um, within our communities, and then investing. So those could be your donations or those could be your low-income housing tax credit donation or investment. Very cool. I, I, you know, people don't always get to see the the passionate side of banking or the caring side of banking. They usually think about it as just, you know, loans, deposits and kind of a, you know, a cold gray building, essentially. But but banks really do do a lot for their communities. 
Yes, we do. And it is really interesting. I've been able to participate in a career day at a local high school recently and was able to talk to some students. Typically, you do to think of the teller, the frontline employee who can open your accounts and stuff like that. And so there is a whole back office. There's people that are really just rooting for the community and trying to be involved in the community. And it is really nice. Um, to be a part of that. We have our compliance, which makes sure that we are following the rules and regulations of what the examiners have set forth. And so those rules help us make sure we're not discriminating or um, avoiding, which is what they call redlining, um, for being inclusive to all. We want to help the whole entire communities in which we're in. Very cool. I want to I want to dive further into it. But first, I'd like to take a step back and learn a little bit more about you. Kristen, how did you get started in banking in the first place? Well, um, I never wanted to be in banking. Banking pretty much found me. Um, I started in college as a teller part-time during the summer and at um, during the winter fall break. Um, my mom actually, when I was born, was in banking and okay. she had a commercial lender who she worked for and he had recently moved um, banks and he was working at this bank and she just walked in one day and was like, are y'all hiring summer interns? Like my daughter needs a job. And so that's kind of how I got my start in banking. And then after that, I graduated in 2009 from the University of South Carolina upstate campus with a communications degree. Okay. So let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what did, what did you want to be? What was, what was the original intent? Yeah. So (laughs) I really wanted to be in marketing or do interior design. I love to decorate and, Um, But that was kind of like what I was thinking. And unfortunately, in 2009, it was really hard to find jobs. Um, I actually did have a job prior to my banking or full-time banking career. And that did not last long. It was with a territory sales representative company. Um, They wanted me to go into big companies without appointments. And that was just not something that I felt comfortable with. I thought it was very disrespectful just to walk in without a um, appointment set. And my dad gave me some really great wisdom that I was not able to quit my job unless I had another job. And so at that time, the doors were open for a full-time teller position at that bank that I had worked for. And I just went back there and worked full-time. And um yeah, worked there for four years and kind of went back into our operations department. I did not want, you know, I, I tried to apply for different teller jobs or different banking jobs and other jobs throughout the years that I was a teller. Sure. And it was really hard to find a job because everybody was, ex- you know, requiring three to five years experience. Well, how do you get experience <laughs> if you don't have any? It's a great question. I think that people don't ask enough when somebody throws that roadblock in their way. Yeah. So I was, we had a lady in operations come visit one day and she said that she was so swamped. And so I kept telling her, I'm, I want to do, I want to do it. I want to be busy. Like, can I apply for a job? And they opened a position and I was fortunate enough to get that position in our deposit operations and worked really hard and Got, or got promoted into compliance. And so that was really kind of how my start in compliance and taken off. 
So. And so that's what the the CRA part of banking that really is part of compliance. Yes, it's part of that. It's part of the the, the requirements from a federal government and state government standpoint that, that that banks have to adhere to in order to keep their charter in order to serve the community in which they work. Yeah, if we don't um, comply with the CRA regulation, then we can you know be prohibited from opening and acquiring new. Um, opening new branches and then acquiring or merging um, a we have we are rated there's a rating scale so you can get outstanding which is like the top of the top um, you have high satisfactory satisfactory needs improvement um, and in uh, non-compliance and so you know as a bank we strive to get outstanding in our ratings because that allows us to continue to branch and be in the communities and and get more brands or banks or buy more banks or you know merge and acquire so i mean if we don't have we have a poor cra rating then that can really hurt us sure well you have you have a responsibility to community to take care of the people than what you're asking to serve them um let me ask you this i'm going to put you on the spot do you have a favorite project or a favorite um example of CRA and how it's impacted a community in, in, in a good way that, that really just sticks in your mind or it really just kind of pulls at your heartstrings? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we are um, kind of challenged to do is community development lending. So community okay. development lending is lending outside of kind of businesses that are less than a million dollars in growth annual revenues. So it's kind of and they're larger loans, so your big impact loans. So seeing some of those loans, maybe, for example, to a Habitat for Humanity, um, seeing for them to help build affordable housing. Or there's been some community development loans to anchor stores in rural areas, so to your Dollar Generals. You know, Dollar Generals are everywhere, and mostly they're in the rural communities because there's not big, huge supermarkets or your Walmarts out there. And so making loans to organizations that help people um, have access to food, have access to resources. Um, we have a lot of community development loans to organizations that help homeless people or people who are going through drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Like those are so impactful because you know that they're going, the money is going to help somebody. No doubt. Well, and I and again, I mean, I know I said it earlier, but I don't think that customers of the bank nor the people in the community really understand how much banks do to support the efforts of nonprofits and of or other organizations. To your point, that help with drug rehabilitation or that help with housing. Um, you know, your your point of access to food. I've learned it recently through other community organizations, how much of a difficulty that is not just for agricultural centers, like ironically where the food comes from, um, but but in, in these rural and urban centers, grocery stores don't want to be there. And so for us to be able to help them or incentivize them to feed those people, I think it's tremendous. And I think it's, again, it's it's one of those things that it goes unheralded for banks, but it is it, it is a way that we give back all the time. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it is really, the bank um, has a foundation called, and then they have a council called the Together for Good Council. And it has been so impactful just to see what these group of bankers are challenged to do. And they're, they're challenged to sit on this council and 
find ways to donate um, and serve in the community for specific days that the bank has designated. And all of those, the five days that they have picked are really things that our employees are passionate about. So you've got World Animal um, Day, then you have National Day of Service, Financial Literacy Month, Martin Luther King Day. Um, those days are geared towards our employees to really focus about like our efforts and how can we serve our police officers. And so there's been a lot of um, conversations. I sit on the council just as a listening ear that they've had. And we had one instance during National Day of Service where one of the employees shared, they went to a fire department and they said, you know, we want to provide you food for the day or something, or we gave you a basket. And the firefighter was like, now this is many years after 9-11. And he was like, nobody has ever done anything for us. And that just gives you goosebumps because, you know, you're making a huge difference in this fire department. They serve us. They are there to help protect our communities and to be able to give back to those people who give so much to the community means so much. No doubt. And you're not talking about a loan. You're not talking about a bank account. You're just talking about a thank you. And you're talking about just something that's just kindness. Yes, for sure. Tell me this, as far as We've talked a little bit about how CRA benefits the community, but there are certain requirements that, to your point, with if you're in a county or if you're doing work in a certain county, there are certain requirements that a bank has to adhere to from the federal government. Can you talk a little bit about that for my audience? Yeah, so banks are required to um, lend and, you know, donate and serve all of those things. But you also have to, we take the demographic data. So we have a CRA task force that the bank has created last year when our chief um, compliance officer, Ron Fox, came on. He thought to take a holistic approach of our all of our metro statistical areas. So the communities that we are in, those kind of flow up to a metro statistical area or MSA. And we designate certain counties where our banks are at. Okay. And so that's kind of like what, so you'll take, for example, the Greenville MSA is made up of four different counties and we have banks in all of those counties. And then we are required to meet targets within those counties as far as lending goes. Typically that's, you know, investments and our services kind of are making sure there's not really a set number. Um, Right. That's fluid. And it's just based on what your peers are doing and your bank size. So there's different banks. We obviously know we have really small community banks with certain revenues. You have your mid-sized banks, and then you have your large banks, and then you have your extremely large banks, like your, you know, Truist and TDs and all those. And each, you know, level, there's different tiers kind of on what is expected. And so we need to make sure that we are meeting the same peer trying to be aligned with our peers. We have targets in place on how much percentage that we want to be within our peers and what they're doing in lending. The one thing that's really difficult for CRA is we are compared to all lenders. So we're compared to all banks, all credit unions, all of your mortgage or non-traditional banks, so your mortgage companies. So that makes it really difficult because you, they can offer different products and services that, you know, we might not be able to offer. Sure. So we try to make sure we're offering things that are, you know, 
in comparison to those um, mortgage companies, but it's not always easy. They have different, they're not regulated as the same way as banks are. No doubt. Uh, now, they're much, much more loosely regulated. Absolutely. Loosely regu regulated. Now the CFPB, which is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they have since changed um, directions and are now including them in any kind of cease and desist orders or consent orders that they may have, which is good because it's not fair for a bank to have certain rules placed on them and then these mortgage companies be able to be a little bit more flexible. So making sure that things are the same. And so we just want to make sure we have targets in place. And if there's, you know, certain areas that we've not, we're not meeting those targets, we have this task force that kind of comes up with different ways. So whether that's marketing, whether that's a, a new investment, whether that's adding a um, ITM machine um, to be available in certain uh, tracks that we can mm -hmm. broaden our search and broaden our, our footprint um, to individuals and make banking available. We've also created a um, bank on product, bank on certified product for individuals who are unbanked to make sure that we have banking available for all. Well, and I think, you know, what, what it goes to show, and I think that a lot of the times people think that banks are in place only for certain people or that they are, that banks really only want to do business with, you know, with a certain, a certain income level of people. But the truth of the matter is, is that banks really are community organizations and they, they're there to serve the community that they're in. And I think that, that CRA just ensures that it makes sure that, that banks are, if nothing else, you know, I mean, if you want to call it a regulation, then I mean, fair enough, but it's, but essentially it's saying, here's a blueprint to follow. Here's, you know, here's how you make sure that you serve your whole community, not just part of your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause they want to make sure everything is available for everybody. No which doubt. is great. No doubt. I think it's a great, I mean, I think it's great. I think it's great to kind of sh share this because it's, not, again, it's something that the audience doesn't always get to see. Um, if people are interested in learning more about CRA requirements in their community, is there a resource that they could tap into? Is there something they, they could find? Yeah. I mean, if you go on to, um, we are regulated by the FDIC, you're more than welcome to go on there and um, pull up the the regulation itself and kind of read it. I mean, if good quick Google search, you can search anywhere. They they have um, free webinars and stuff on CRA. You know, if anybody wants to call and chat and just talk about it, I'm happy to talk about CRA. I know a lot of, every bank has a CRA officer. And so if you wanna to go to your own bank and just talk about, you know, what your bank is doing in the community, um, there's many resources out there. And I'm jealous. It sounds like you have a fun job in banking. <laughs> you do have a fun job in banking. There is a lot of data work on the back end of it too. And really, we have an examination um, coming up. So for CRA, you're examined every three years and um, our, our exam's coming, you know, soon and by the end of this year. And so that's going to be stress point because you, you can always try your hardest to lend in the areas that insert in the areas that isn't enough since there's really no set definition on how many loans you have to have, how many, how much money you have to invest. You, there's, it's kind of a gray area, but um, it's still a great job. And it's, it's good that banks are required to do this and to meet the needs of the community. No doubt. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's so many, there's so many 
variables when it comes to lending money that you really it's not like you can answer everything before you actually have the the situation actually presented to you and in front of you because you still have to make good loans as a bank because if you made if you made if you made poor decisions with your with your with your institution's money you wouldn't be a, you wouldn't be around for very long no that is true and one of the things in the CRA regulation it states you know meeting the needs of the communities but with the safety and soundness aspect of it. I mean, if someone doesn't unfortunately qualify, I mean, you can't make bad loans. You need to make sure um, that you are making safe banking processes. No doubt. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I really appreciate you joining me. I'd look forward to having you on again sometime soon, hopefully to kind of pick your brain about other topics. Yeah, that would sound great. Thanks. For CRA to work as it's intended, it needs to be a moving target. And for the most part, it has been since 1977. I'm not going to go into all the details, but there have been legislative changes to CRA in 1989, 1991, 92, 94, 95, 99, 2005, 2007, 2008, and we currently have additional proposed changes that are under consideration from Congress. If we as a society have learned anything in today's world, it's that the only constant that we have is change. Well, that's going to wrap me up for today. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Kristen. And if you would like to see more issues explored like this, reach out and let me know. I'll catch you guys next time.